We are back again with another episode of the 35th in Jackson podcast. Gets more and more exciting each week. Beeves coming off a 35-34 thrilling win over Arizona State University. And while it was not cold enough to freeze the fork, I do think we slightly chilled it. Uh, but the Beeves, here we are. Coming down the stretch, five and five. The math is now two games to win one for a bull berth. Lots of excitement happening. We're going to dive in with my friends, Brat and Khan, as always. Of course, I'm your humble host, Andy. And I'd like to take this time to inform you that this week's show is sponsored by Corval Fog. What's that smell? Is it a condemned dairy farm? Is it a sweaty gym sock? Perhaps a rotting whale carcass stuffed with moldy seaweed. It's the Corval ass fog. Made with 100% natural ingredients, this is certain to be the angriest fog you ever inhale. Stroll the outer edge of campus and try it today. Corval ass fog, knocking out nostrils since 1857. All right. Well, like I mentioned, Beeves came off another big win. Senior day, sending them out right. 35-34 victory over Herm Edwards and the mighty ASU Sun Devils. Two games left to go. Washington State on deck this week, battling for a bull berth. Break it down for me. What did you guys see in the game? What are your takeaways? Well, I mean, we're sitting here on Tuesday with five wins. Not anything uh, what we predicted whatsoever. I actually went back to look up all the predictions the closest anyone got would have been Khan. He said we would have be five and seven if we beat Hawaii. But here we are winning, have five wins without having played Hawaii. So Khan's other prediction was two wins. A little off there. Um, it's our best season since 2014 in terms of wins. We've won more games now uh, in the last in this year than we have in the last three years combined. Uh, get a bit with the end. Um, but the thoughts on the games was the fact that we had. Uh, a 35-21 victory in hand if we played, if we could just keep uh, playing good defense and scoring, but instead we let them sneak back in. Um, it's kind of the story of the season. Don't play a full game. Uh, the third quarter, or the fourth quarter, no touchdowns. The third quarter, the only touchdown coming off the short field and the fumble that we got with a Togiai hurdle, which was amazing. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about that fourth quarter in general. I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts, um, starting with uh, what is Herm thinking going for two with a run play on us? They have less than 100 yards rushing, and he decides to run on us when passing has been working. And then we elect to go for the fourth and two. And I love having a coach that wants to trust his players and take those risky moves. But um, here we are. Uh, the first, we roll out the punter. Then we call a timeout theory is maybe we had a fake on there and the ASU noticed that I'm not, I'm not convinced of that yet. Haven't seen the film. And then we take the timeout. We come back out Luton's out there. So we think for sure, this is a, a pooch kit, a pooch punt. Instead, Luton comes under center or I mean, takes the snap and we run a kind of route and we get bailed out due to PI uh, bold, bold move worked out for us would have way rather had us just pooch punt that you pooch punt that you put it down on the five, 10 yard line. I don't know, even 15, uh, ASU has to run 70 yards or so 60 yards in 30 seconds with no timeouts. 
there was just a lot of weird decisions down the end there. But in the end, we uh, get to see the students rush the field. Uh, I know I text the group saying that was kind of embarrassing uh, immediately. But after thinking further, um, this is the most wins we've seen. A lot of these students in the stands uh, have been through some terrible football years. And to see the first uh, power our stadium in, I forget, two or three years now, uh, it, may, it may have warranted it. And it's kind of ironic the last time that we rushed the field was the freeze the fort game uh, i think and so see asu get uh the fans on the field again on them is is kind of uh interesting to see for it. but there's a the long and quick game at the same time yeah i mean i think brought the question is i didn't have any problem with herm going for two <laughs> Um, as far as just a coaching tactic, I think it was the right call. He was on the road. But, yeah, wrong play call. So so right coaching decision, completely wrong play call. Uh, and especially after fourth and eight, uh, I'm screaming from, uh, you know, a box that I was in. Let's just say that, a suite that I was in. <laughs> I'm screaming from the suite that they're going to throw to number two, Ayuk. I'm screaming. And of course, on fourth and eight, they throw a touchdown. Ayuk. I'm screaming and tweeting right after that that the two point conversion is going to go to him. And for some, I mean, technically, I guess they did throw it back to him. But that play call, I'm just like, wow, it's depressing. And, and I will say, in years past, uh, that would have been a walk-in touchdown against the Beavers. So maybe he thought he was playing the 2018 defense, not the 2019 defense. That because that would have been a walk-in touchdown. But I would just like that's a that's a microcosm of the improvement that the Beaver defense has shown under Tim Tibisar. The the ability to stretch it out. There are a few other plays in this game where whether it's our linebackers or safeties stretched it out. Um, just on a in a toss play, or just even a, you know, when when the other team's running a stretch play, when the other team's running a counter, anything that's a a play designed to go the outside with blockers in front, the the goal is to stretch that out, defeat your blocker, even just hold your ground, and keep stretching, keep stretching. You use that sideline as that twelfth defender, and it was just textbook um, on that play. And then I actually thought, you know, Benjamin was very smart to. I've never seen that in a play on a two point play like that, or I've seen it in the last play of the game when it's a, you know, a lateral play or a um, kick return play where we, everybody knows it's going to lateral or whatever, but I've never seen a player when you need a two point conversion like that, have the the mind to actually throw it across the field when he knows the play is not going to work. So props to him and props to Nation Wright also for intercepting that ball because worst case scenario, Arizona state catches that ball. And yeah, they had the illegal man downfield, but that we would have had to say accept the penalty and they would have had another try. So all that to say, um, great win by the Beebs, way to finish. And again, the defense just, it may not show in the stats. They gave up some stats, but key plays at key times. I would even argue the defense won that game for us. The offense honestly was, was horrible in the second half. For some reason, we still can't play two halves of offense. Um, but the defense just stepped up and, again, did what they needed to do. That's Timmy T's mantra that I'm coining for him. I'm actually telling him it's his mantra. The defense does what they need to do each game. They know the opponent well enough. They know what they need to do and what style they need to play to win the game. So hats off. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it was a lot of the same stuff we've been seeing all year, but to your point, they've found ways to do enough and to make the, the plays that need to be made and not have the horrendous miscues and mistakes that being in position to make plays. So that's why you're seeing, you know, there's some close games or some frustrated, still a lot of inconsistency with this team, but you got to feel pretty good sitting there at five wins and knowing that there's potential to even now it's, you know, at the, at the tail end of the season to get so much better, not only this year, but going forward. I mean, there's so much left out there and, Again, you go back to things like the Stanford and Hawaii game, and how I mean, you could really have seven wins right now, which is just absurd to think about and think what we'd be saying if that were the case. So, um, yeah, lo- like to see all this love words going. The game itself, uh, you know, my thoughts were, yes, yeah, same kind of stuff. Like I said, offense on fire, unstoppable machine the first half, and then another half of laying a dead, and we've seen it time and time and time again um, where the offense looks great and then there's a break and they're such a rhythm team and I think especially with Luton at quarterback is like once once that rhythm goes away it can get pretty choppy luckily they put up enough early um, to make the difference but you want to see them maybe put a full game together um, offensively so looking at that uh, and then just from ASU's side, I mean, that's they, yeah, they had lost what three in a row going into it, but that's a pretty, that's a decent ASU team, and you should feel good about that win. Um, their young quarterback, he's got a bright future, he can sling the ball. And I brought this up last week as one to fear, along with Eno Benjamin, but Ayuk, their receiver, is a freak, and he tortured us on Saturday, and we were very lucky it didn't end up costing us the game, but he was all over the field. Um, and that's who I was worried about going in, but here we are four conference wins and a chance to go bowling the showdown against Washington state. Uh, as far as injuries, I, I don't know what you guys have there. Um, it sounds like from Jonathan Smith's press conference, I think there's a chance, a good chance that Colby Taylor could come back this week. Um, and so I'm hoping that that means Bradford will sit this one out and be ready to go for the Civil War. Um, and as much as I want to win this game, I think we all want to see Bradford play in the Civil War. So there's that piece to it. Um, I didn't see – I'm trying to think of too many injuries that came out of this game. What did, what did, what did you guys have for injuries? I, I don't think – we had any injuries, I want to say. Tyjon Lindsay was back. He was involved early. Yep. Um, Irish left hurt. I, yes, thank you. Brian. Irish, Irish hurt. did leave hurt. So, he, and it was, I watched the film. He caught that touchdown. And he seemed fine after that, but he never played after that. Um, interesting. And Isaiah Dunn left with, I think, concussion uh, symptoms. And it actually. For, for those who are watching, you could tell once Isaiah Dunn left, yeah, we had Nashawn Wright on Ayuk, but he it was a different – they started oh, yeah. going and, to him the whole time. So uh, Yeah, and I was going to mention that too. I, I really like Nashawn Wright and what he's brought to the table this year, and he's, he's had some good moments. But he actually – you mentioned the two-point play. That was nice that he made that play. But um, his actual overall performance on the game was – it was kind of a rough outing for him. 
he he definitely struggled and had some some breakdowns there. But you know, he was going against a good receiver, so it's to be expected. But uh, hopefully, another, he, he bounces back. Another player that I hadn't seen in a while come out. And I don't know if you guys noticed it was Isaac Garcia came in. I saw him on the sideline early, and then I saw him come in on a third or a fourth down play, sub in. That's the first I've seen of him in quite a while. Uh, was he coming back from injury? Was is what? Do you guys recall? I don't recall if it was an injury, but I noticed that too, Brian. He actually played on a few passing situations third down, um, <laughs> and and one changeup. I was kind of seeing is Isaac Hodgins did not play as much because usually we've had we've won with Isaac Hodgins on that end spot, um, even though he, he's technically a D tackle. But we were going two D linemen almost exclusively in the game. Uh, so we'd have Hodgins and Elu or Whitley usually on, on every down, except on a third down passing and a, or a fourth down passing, we would bring Garcia in for that, almost that edge um, for one of those D tackles. So interesting little wrinkle, not, I'm sure they saw something on film, but Garcia has been suited up. I've seen him suited up the past few games. I just haven't seen him get into the game. Yeah. And I think that, you make a good point. Um, I think that could be as simple as a wrinkle there of what they saw from with ASU uh, on passing situations third down, just because of Jaden Daniels' mobility too. That might have been a reason to get one of those somebody that has a little better chance at contain and keeping their rush yep. lane there. So that might have had something to do with it. But that's a good observation that uh, you picked up on. But I, I would say other than like what we said through the season, the guys that are lost for the year, the Beavers are, you know, relatively healthy uh, for this point in the season. So that's good news. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, but again, the big one to watch this weekend, uh, you know, I want to see now that Lindsay's back. And I think I do think Smith said that Taylor has a chance like to see what they choose to do there and if this is in fact the game that uh trevon bradford sits out so andy i do think you're dead on with uh your assessment and uh of the colby taylor and we've kind of shared this the colby taylor situation is going to determine bradford's playing um Mm -hmm. because we haven't had him the past few weeks so we've said okay you know we gotta we gotta play him but so uh, i think you're right on on that assessment of waiting for Colby Taylor to come back and then we feel better about Bradford sitting. Um, sure. So, yeah, I, I don't think, I, I don't think the plan was to play Bradford against Arizona and then it would just happened because of the Taylor injury. And so they said, okay. And then with Lindsay sitting out after that, it was even against Washington. You're like, okay, well now we're getting kind of thin there. You got to play Bradford. So those made sense. Um, we'll monitor that and see how we, what, what that looks like um, in Pullman this weekend. Uh, let's get to our game brats. We're going to dive into those, break out the mustard, the potato buns, some soakers and onions, little little beer in there. And let's give out some game brats for a job well done. What do you guys have? Uh, my game brought goes to Omar Spates. He had a killer game all over the field there. Um, we held Arizona State to under 100 yards rushing, um, and a lot of that has to do with the play of the line and the linebackers there. And then Spates, I, I think, had six or seven tackles on the game. Um, his biggest one being that sack. I forget if it was a third down or a fourth down. And he just chased Daniels, uh, kept up with him, and chased him all the way out of bounds with a good push. 
Um, that was a huge play. We needed that at the time. And I believe it was third down, turned it into a fourth down for us. Um, much needed at the time of the game. Spates was all over the field. He is a guy that is going to be one to watch. We've been pumping him up all year, probably. Uh, Phil spotted him, not spotted him, went and watched him at CB last year and said, he's a guy you have to uh, keep your eye on as a guy that's going to be here. Uh, and next great linebacker, I love having him and uh, Sharp being freshman uh, in our linebacking crew, knowing that we're going to have him for two more years at least um, out there. Uh, big time playmakers, guys that played amazing for us. Um, and I, I uh, have to give him the game brought for the week. I, I mean, I, I would like to echo Brat's um, terminology with Omar because when is the last time in Beaver Nation I was, I was trying to uh, pick the brain of the psychotic Phil Taggart on a delusional walk home after we were in this suite asking the master when was the last time we had a freshman true freshman middle linebacker with the ability that spades has shown and it's not just potential because we've had a lot of guys with potential that maybe haven't panned out but he is making legitimate division one uh top tier middle linebacker plays as a true freshman there's no like oh he needs to get i mean he will get stronger but there's no oh, he needs to get stronger and then he'll make that play. No, he's making him now. Um, and the thing that I was really impressed with is the speed, as Brad said. I mean, how many times I, it's almost like you have PTSD when any quarterback with any mobility more than Sean Mannion rolls out and, oh, yeah, that's just a 20-yard gain right around the edge and we dive at his ankles and get get air. Um, that's been years, years that has happened and – not only do we have Omar, we have Avery Roberts. And just think of this, Beaver Nation. Omar Spates, Avery Roberts, Hamilcar Rashid, and Riley Sharp are our linebackers. There have not been a better pair of linebackers since probably 2007. Derek Doggett, Alan Darlin, Joey LaRock. Um, and even those, those guys were studs, but I think the potential of this group is even bigger. Um, with that um, and back to my game brought I'm going to take David Morris uh, he caused that fumble he's been all over the field the past few weeks and it's just a huge difference when he's in the game tackling wise but also coverage wise we've seen this what some people have called the worst secondary in the nation go from the worst to nobody's really saying much about him it's not a coincidence David Morris is there Jalen Morris actually been getting subbed out in passing situations for Sean Wilson, don't know how I feel about that, but that's just what the coaches are seeing. But David Morris is being a stalwart at that safety position, and it's just made a huge difference um, as far as just being in position to make plays. Um, because in the first half of the season, uh, we'd see guys that aren't even on a team anymore maybe in position, um, but they just whiff. But other times we just see completely out of position. Um, there was that classic play. It's going to happen for the next few years where a ball gets chucked up and we have four secondary players there and somehow it still gets caught. But that was one play. There wasn't anything else egregious and we're seeing what a healthy David Morris can provide. And uh, I'm loving it. Speaking of, uh, David Morris, and did you see that, uh, time in the third quarter Morris is trying to get subbed out there and Sean Wilson waves him off and then Morris yeah, ends up going back 
What is, how does that yeah. occur? How is that, that possible? Good, good observation, Brad. I did, I did see that too. And I was like, what's going on? You can do that. I, <laughs> I had no idea that, that baffled me. Well, those are two, uh, two good options to give a nice warm brought to, um, you know, and I, I think Connor, you make a good point. David Morris being back there has made a big difference and played pretty tremendously um, everywhere, except for sometimes when he meets a guy named JJ Taylor, but that's, that's tough for anyone. Um, so for mine, I'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to stray from the pack here and I'm going to give it to a guy that's come under some heat in this program and mostly from one person, Connor, <laughs> but I'm going to give mine to Noah Tongiai, uh, senior day. I don't know what happened, but I, I, I think everyone will agree. If you've watched Oregon state football, since he's been here far and away, his best game, not even close. Um, he was making plays. He was catching everything that came his way. He was doing a good job. He was blocking well. And uh, it looked he looked like a different guy. He looked like he had new knees or something. I don't know. He the, That play where he hurdled a defender on his way to the end zone, I that was insane. That was the most athletic play I'd seen from a tight end in quite some time. So got to give it up to Noah Sr., He's been through the ringer, had a lot of injuries, had a lot of uh, conicism, as we call it, criticism from con. Um, and you know what? He rose to the occasion. But uh, I have been told by our producers that I do need to give all the credit to Connor. Um, without Connor, he would be nothing. And that Spats. is why he performs so well. So that's where my brat's going to go. Um, and, and that'll that'll ride for this week. Those are, those are your three brat winners. We've got Spates. We got Morris and we got Tangiai. Well deserved, guys. Good job. All right, we're gonna jump. So did over I get to... did I get to eat the extra onions on that, or where was my um, accommodation on the actual brat? I'd like to know. Uh, yeah, you'll get a you'll get a little something. Stay tuned. Okay. Yeah, something will be coming your way. Check check the mail. <laughs> um, but we're gonna jump across the way from Reeser to Gill Coliseum real quick. Oregon State Hoops did uh, get the win over Wyoming on Saturday night on the road. That Wyoming team looks terrible. I I didn't catch much of the game, but then I did go back and look at their schedule and said, that Wyoming team is not good. Beavs beat them by 20. That's what they needed to do. Probably should have been a little more, but hey, it's a road win, and we know how hard those are to come by. So Oregon State moving on they got another game wednesday i think against uh ucsb so there you go we did our part we're in state hoops everybody all right let's go to the rest of the pack 12 what'd you guys see this weekend there was some different games on there utah looked dominant again against a resurgent ucla team i think they they kind of flexed their muscle and showed again to what i think all three of us would agree that they are the best team in the pack 12 um, some people in Eugene might disagree, but that's just the cold hard truth. We, the Oregon State ASU game obviously saw that it was a wild one. Washington State impressed with their win over Stanford. It kind of bullied them and, and looked pretty good. Um, and then 
the Oregon game, I was very pleased that I went to bed at halftime on that one. What did you guys uh, see in the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, it's you kind of covered it, Andy, but Utah is just – I was actually talking to a co-worker worker today. Utah's just on a different level. I mean, they've had pretty much one close game, and that was against Washington, and obviously their loss to USC, um, which was a fluky one at, at best. But they're just lights, lights and whatever you want to say uh, above every team on offense and defense. And I think that's the key. their consistency in all three phases of the game. They have a great kicker. They have a great punter. Um, they have a QB who is a good QB but doesn't turn it over. That's the key. Um, can make plays with his legs. They have a good running back. Solid, solid offensive line, and then their defense just speaks for themselves every year. So, you know, that's where I'm looking at. And uh, Washington State, yeah, covered that. Um, ten and a half it came out, and all of us, I think, here were a little shocked. Whoa, Washington State, ten and a half against Stanford. Um, but uh, they they made it happen. So, you know, hats off to them. And I would like to say, you know, Max Borgie's guarantee that he's going to beat Oregon State. I'd like everybody to put that on their bulletin board this week. It's already in my cubicle. <laughs> Good. Uh, I watched uh, some of the Oregon-Arizona game when I got back from the stadium. Um, I am baffled at how you're the number six team in the nation. You have such a great quarterback, and we rave about all this greatness that you have, and you score 34 on Arizona. 30, yeah, 34. Meanwhile, the Beavs head on the road and put up 34 and a quarter, basically, on Arizona. Uh, that's Ooh. embarrassing. Um, yeah, yeah. Bring the fire, Brian. Yeah. I just I just couldn't believe it. It was pretty bad. Pretty bad offensive yeah. showing there. From Mario's them. a fraud. Mario's a freaking fraud. How many times Completely you agree. And then Utah, UCLA, you guys hit it. But how many times does a, a D1 quarterback pass the ball only 18 times and you don't play for Navy, Georgia Tech, or one of those other triple option teams? Uh, yeah, Conley one of the passed service the schools. He passed the ball 18 times and they routed UCLA uh, in that game. Um, and then U- USC routed Cal in, that, in their game as well. I uh, wasn't watching that, but uh, looked up the highlights later. Uh, the Slovis kid, I think that's how you say his last name. I don't remember. Quarterback, four TDs against them. Um, he seemed to have a pretty good game against uh, California's defense. So those are those are some of the thoughts on the week. Um, easy, easy lines in the Pac-12, but we can get to that maybe in a second. Yeah, no, you guys, you guys brought up good points, and I just I keep coming back to, yeah, I think Utah – is the team to beat, um, but you never know. Oregon has some fluky stuff happen, and I would like to get into this in, in lines too, and I guess we can um, just kind of coast on into that to our bet on Brian and Con's Con segment to talk about these lines this week because uh, there's, some, there's some decent ones out there. I think some of them are pretty fair, um, but why don't we just, as a, as a natural transition, brought since you – uh, decided to bring that up. Why don't we just go in and, and let's see what's going on. What's the action here? Uh, I hope you guys took our uh, lines to heart last week. Um, I was four or five last week with missing on the Minnesota. They lost by four line was three. Um, and that was 
that was because I woke up late Saturday and still didn't get the rest of my bets in such as the Michigan, Michigan state one, super easy. I forget there's another 9am game. I didn't get and then time easy money makers last week. You should be uh, sitting pretty after listening to us after that um, this week. Uh, I I'm curious what you found Andy. I didn't find a whole lot. I haven't had a lot of time to look, but just after work today, looking around um, pack 12 wise, Oregon's favored by 14 and a half. Um, on the road at Arizona State, I think that's intriguing. Um, we'll see what Arizona State can do uh, against Oregon. I'll see how Oregon responds on the road down there. Um, they they may have some weather issues, Andy. I'd like to hear about that too. By the way, coming <laughs> uh, back, uh, Utah Arizona Arizona's at home against Utah, and uh, Arizona, Utah's favored by twenty three. Um, UCLA and USC, the rivalry game. USC's home and favored by 13 and a half. Um, I think USC covers that one. Uh, Oregon State, the line opened up at 15. I got it at 13 and a half. It's down to 10 right now. So uh, that tells you where Vegas is going. That's where all the money's going. It's going on the beads uh, on that line. Uh, I already have put money down. It's rare for me to ever put money down before Friday on anything. Um, last week I did it. This week I've done it only on that game so far. And then bouncing around really quickly with another game that caught my eye, uh, Baylor and Texas play Baylor's at home and favored by five and a half. Um, Baylor's Baylor's a good team. Uh, despite giving up their giant lead this last weekend against Oklahoma, I think they cover five and a half at home versus Texas. Um, and I think that was it. Um, none of the other normal lines, Ohio state's playing Penn state. It's a 17 and a half point spread. Um, didn't I don't know about you guys what you think about that Michigan State I don't remember looking them up um, some of our favorites to pick on UMass and New Mexico State Con I'll let you let, you know dive into those those conferences that's your specialty yeah I'm deep and I would just like to reiterate if you fans out there have been listening to cons cons I I need a I need a cut. I need a 1% cut because that 1% cut would be what 10 grand right now. So um, anyways, Ohio state did not cover last week. That is the first time this season they have not covered. So I apologize for that. I did, you know, make a disclaimer. It was a 52 point spread. I said, throw it into your parlay, but everything else would have gone great. So anyways, this week, Brad already hit it. Penn State at Ohio State. I can't believe this is even 17 and a half. I, it's shocking. Ohio State's going to roll them. It's it's going to be a 25 James Franklin game. is a fraud. James yes, is a fraud. It's, it's minimum. Bet your lungs on Ohio State. Then I got Minnesota at Northwestern. Minnesota's coming off a letdown. PJ's going to be pissed. The boat's going to be in the water. He's going to have about 50 oars out there. They're only a 13 and a half point favorite. They're going to just – Northwestern is a horrible team. Northwestern couldn't cover against UMass. Let's remember that, okay? Northwestern is not good. So, Minnesota is going to cover that. Oh, and I have to – I just have to say real quick uh, to cut in here on the Minnesota thing. that The more and more I watch PJ, man, the guy is a psycho, and I don't really like him that much. He's too much. You can't run on the field. Yelling at the other team's players and then acting like I think he said in his press conference he was worried about the hit because he had seen a player get his neck broken. The guy had like it didn't even get hurt, it was very minimal. It was like a body shot of 
he sprints on the field and he did that multiple on every injury he's out there like dude you're not a doctor you're just getting in the way stop it you have too much energy okay do a few less lines before every game <laughs> pj is quickly becoming like i him in James Franklin and Mario, they, oh my gosh, they, Andy, they Andy, hang out Andy. together. They Do hang not out put together. them in the same sentences. Yes, yes. Because yes. PJ, the thing that PJ has to do, you know, quick tangent, he has he knows how to motivate millennials. Mario oh, doesn't good. know anything how to motivate anybody. What do you okay? mean with money? Money. Well, <laughs> that's easy. I'm, I'm just saying it's PJ's. PJ's got something else going for him. Um, in that, and that he has yeah, that low Joe, and uh, I'm just saying, Andy, it's don't put PG, don't don't diss him uh, like that. No, I will I, say I, he I can be like a little him. over the top, but just don't don't go there with Mario and James Franklin. That's just uh, I just they just they just that's... all all three of them just seem like oh they just want to hang out and you know take their wedding rings off and go out on the town. I mean that, that's the kind of crowd they seem Lane like. Kiffin so, too. Yeah, Lane Kiffin. I mean that's just that's the vibe I get, okay? And everyone can feel differently. Anyways, okay. back to your lines. I'm sorry I cut you off. Um and then yeah, Brats right. I got the um <clears throat> this is a tough one. UTEP who is <laughs> horrible team, 1 and 9. New Mexico State New Mexico State is favored by seven and a half at home. I don't know if I want the action on that. It, it's a crapshoot either way. Two of the most horrible teams in the country playing. You don't know what's going to happen. Stay away this week. Stay away. And UMass, BYU at UMass, BYU's 40 and a half point favorites. I'm going to say stay away from that. Uh, as Phil would say, shiitake mushrooms. Uh, Kalani Sataki <laughs> has not proven he can. He has not proven anything on the offensive side of the ball, which leads me to another lock of the week. Talk about when I when I hear the word fraud, this is literally this image comes to my mind. Gary Anderson's Utah State team <laughs> playing at home uh, against Boise State, and Boise is only an eight point favorite. Boise is going to blow them out of the water. Mark it down. It's a fact. Gary Anderson's a fraud. Okay, any real coach that coaches against Gary Anderson blows them out, and and they score zero. Utah State will. Yes. Okay. And 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 some people are saying, and I've I have they did beat Wyoming enough. though. They did beat Wyoming. I think Wyoming played Boise State. I have not much. researched this enough, but people claim that the Utah State quarterback is a possible first round pick. Uh, have you guys heard this? I, oh, I've yeah. seen uh, this. Yeah, Daryl Garrett. And that Gary Anderson's wasting his talent, which obviously. Uh, but I'm hearing this, and I, I just – I don't know. I, I Regardless, he has Gary Anderson as, as his coach. He's screwed either way. It doesn't matter if he's wasting his talent. Uh but he does 14 picks on the season, so I don't know how that's a first-round talent. But, you know, oh Josh Allen God. Josh Holy. Allen did go in the first round. So, uh, And some some delusional guy did say Jake Luton's a sleeper. Sorry, Jake, not to pound on you, but you're not a Pac-12 or a, you're not an NFL quarterback. You'd be the best skeleton drill quarterback on this planet. You'd be – you'd rival Tom Brady in that. But you're not an NFL quarterback, so let's just let's just pass that. So, anyways, that's it for cons. Cons. 
We'll see. We'll see. Um, yes, and I do want to bring up to all of you out there real quick. Um, we tweeted this, but speaking of Gary Anderson's Utah State Aggies, um, we talked about a petition a few weeks ago for road games. Okay, mission has changed. We need a petition. If the Beavers qualify and are bowl eligible, do whatever it takes. Don't care where, don't care when, and like we said, doesn't even need to be a sanctioned event. Let's get Oregon State and Utah State in a bowl game. I don't even know if it's possible. Probably not. But that would be amazing. Give the people what they want. We are out for blood. Yep. I will say I'm going on record here. If that happens, I will be there, no doubt. I'll have Payson in a backpack, and she'll have a some anti-Gary Anderson paraphernalia on. I promise you that. Yes, and it sounds like um, you know, our buddy Nick DeShell, we've had our fair share of disagreements, usually around we're going to say basketball, uh, but he did put out a great article, as Con uh, brought to my attention earlier this week, about the possible bull scenarios. I love that. We were all kind of getting in a – all hot and bothered over the cheese at bowl. We thought that was coming down here and Phoenix was excited about that, but he pointed out that's in fact, not a possibility just based on what Oregon state's record would be in conference and all that and how it works. We are down to what it sounds like uh, the Las Vegas bowl, the red box bowl in San Francisco, the sun bowl in El Paso and the holiday bowl in San Diego. So uh, three of those four are drivable distance for me, and I will definitely be there. But I will say this. I'm not going alone. So we'll <laughs> see where you guys are at. Um, but uh, some very exciting possibilities. But none of that happens uh, if we don't get this win against Washington State this week or Oregon the following week. But, heck, why not just win them both? Um, that's what I'm thinking. Um Thank you guys for those. We got uh, bet on Brian and cons cons. Do appreciate that. Some good lines there. Uh, real quickly before we move on, I'll just say the ones that intrigue me. I'll keep it in the Pac-12 a little bit. That Arizona State Oregon game. Oregon on the road at ASU. I think ASU is a better team than what their record shows, um, and that's their final home game. That's their homecoming there. I think they might be able to give Oregon a little bit of a run. Um, you know, and, and 14 and a half, that's decent. But I, I could see ASU uh, getting it down to, I don't know, maybe sit somewhere between 7 and 10, and if not beating them. If they upset them, wow. But I'm kind of in a tough position because I feel like I would love them to go down Oregon this week, but I kind of want to save it, have them high and mighty, mm. ready to roll, rolling towards mm. the tactical championship playoffs, and then take them out in the Civil War. I mean, that's – I just ripped their heart out. That's what I want. That sounds yummy. Um, and then the other one I, that I'm showing on mine, a 23-point favorites Utah over Arizona. Um, and I think Utah will beat them by more. I think they'll cover that. And I, I think there's no reason to believe I think Utah could beat them by 30-plus. So those are my two to watch. All right. Well, without any further ado, it is Washington State week. We know what's on the line. We've been talking about it the whole episode. Winner will be bowl eligible. Uh, Washington State usually considered our brethren in the Pac-12. Very similar blue-collar school. Um, not in a piece of crap city. Uh, you know, have some room to breathe. 
good-hearted fans, fans that are actual fans, you know, people that went to the school or have some tie or just, I don't know, are for universal good in life. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what Washington State and Oregon State are. But little little juice here, and of course, Mike Leach, the pirate. I mean, we love him. We love him to death. Mike Leach is the best. But a little uh, fire added here with uh, Max Borgie, their running back. Yes, he did. He did say and guarantee a victory over the Beavers this week on the Palouse. Uh, so Jonathan Smith, he downplayed it, of course. He's so cute in his press conferences. Said it would not uh, factor in at all. We have plenty of motivation as it is, and that's all fine and good, but you got a full locker room of 18 to 22-year-olds uh, who might think otherwise. Riley, so, Riley Sharp's 23, please. Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, some people with um, who have been on their mission, sorry, and then Gus Slovakia. So I, I'll say 18 and Luton to 32-year-olds. Um, <laughs> we'll go with that. But anyways, they might take exception to it. I like it. It'll be fun and really look for the Beavs, uh, you know, if they if they win that game. I'd also like to say keep an eye out for this. If Jor- Jordan Whitley and Elu Aiden, if they get a hold of Borgie, um, Keep a close eye on that. Maybe they take a little more time getting off the pile. Uh, they might do a fun dance. They might let them hear about it a little, and I'd like to see that. But big game, obviously, Washington State's got the high-flying offense. Uh, their quarterback, Gordon, he, I think he just set the school record, actually, for passing TDs quietly in a season. So he's lighting it up. Comes down to, though, their defense is does have some holes. I think the Oregon State can expose, and you guys can talk about this, too. Um, they're Defensive coordinator, like Mike Leach, hated him, and they parted ways halfway through the season. Um, so I think it's definitely going to be a, a back and forth offensively. Can the Beavs slow him down? Can the Beavs put up enough points? And then one quick thing that Mike Parker pointed out on the uh, Joe Beaver show earlier this week, had to give it to Mike. He said that Washington State only allowed six rushing yards against Stanford. I, I, I was baffled. I, that, that totally blew my mind. So while this defense does have some holes, uh, they showed that they could slow down Stanford, who isn't great, but that's a team that likes to run the ball. So keep an eye on that. What do you guys got for this this game? Well, let's, uh, let's hear your keys, and uh, you can throw out some predictions too if you'd like. I mean, it's a volume passing team. They're going to throw the ball. You hit on it that uh... – their quarterback Gordon just uh, hit the school record for 39 TDs. That is kind of unbelievable. Also unbelievable is he's a, a four year uh, guy. He's been there his, his senior year this year, maybe redshirt senior. And he's been there for four years and only has started one. I mean, how often do you find a college quarterback that waits his turn that long and gets to play one year? Uh, that kind of surprised me. Despite the fact that they may have allowed six yards, I did not know that. I believe they also gave up approaching 500 yards passing to Stanford's oh, yeah. backup QB. They threw, they threw so. the ball all over the field, but I was just <laughs> surprised that Stanford rushing like they did. But, yes, they did throw the ball all over the field. <laughs> all over. If you're giving up that many yards, it's yeah. ridiculous. To a backup QB, by the way, uh, for Stanford. Um, it's It comes down to stopping – their passing attack, keeping the plays in front of you. We can't give up those long plays like we did to ASU. There's what well, ASU had four or five passes that were, you know, 35 plus yards. Um, don't fall down in coverage, obviously, and 
we don't get <laughs> one of those. Um, but we don't give up the big plays. Keep the play in front of you. I think uh, we alluded to it earlier with Con and Isaac uh, Garcia, that two down linemen look. I feel like we might see a little bit more of that, trying to get some pressure on their QB, Gordon, uh, making him think more about it. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of – uh, Hamilcar or Sharp or uh, Omar in the backfield this game. Uh, we're looking to get some pressure on them, maybe a corner blitz coming out. Um, I hope we get done back health-wise because we need him out there. Um, we're gonna. It's going to be about slowing down their passing attack, and it's going to be about establishing our run and, and eating the clock um, down. They get approaching 200 yards per game and rushing. And so if we can slow the game down a little bit, give our defense a little time to breathe and just uh, see both Jamar and AP go for 200 yards or so in this game, I think we're looking at a really close game. I think we're looking at something that's going to be kind of high scoring. Um, to give my prediction, uh, I think uh, Con and I are looking to book plane tickets after this week. Um, we won't only not only be buying our Civil War tickets, we will be booking our plane tickets to wherever our bowl location is. I'm seeing uh, Oregon State. Um, let's stick with it. No field goals. So 49 <laughs> to 45. I love that. No field I goals. I love the no field goals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. You can, no, you go ahead, Andy. Okay. Uh, I was just gonna say a, bit, a, a couple things that had me chuckling during that. So I went and looked up the 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 team stats from that Stanford Washington State game. It is true that Stanford only rushed for six yards, but I don't feel as bad. They only ran the ball ten times. So I mean, yes, it's still impressive, but they ran it ten times. So they were just trying to play catch up, obviously. So there's that. And then to uh, Brat's point of the no field goals, I, I was just laughing because uh, the guys on the uh, ESPN station I listened to, 710, uh, the resident Coog in there, uh, cons listen to some of this stuff, but mm. he makes me laugh. And there's a few of them on there, and they were talking about this game this week real quick, and they what they were bringing up the Beavers, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a good matchup, good game. And they're like, they haven't kicked a field – they haven't made a field goal in conference play. And they were just like – baffled by that so yes that will continue i i kind of been like embracing it right now i don't want to kick a field goal. i think that's really fun that we are so unsure of our kickers that we refuse to kick so i like it uh look for that to continue this week my prediction yeah i kind because i kind of gave you my breakdown earlier i think it's going to be a back and forth game it's going to be an offensive uh shootout can they can they get the beeves force a turnover here and there? Because the, that's one thing the Cougars' offense is formidable as ever. They go up and down the field, but they've had some problems putting the ball on the ground this year. And you saw in that UCLA wild debacle early in the season. The only reason that UCLA even made that game close is because Washington State could not hang on to the football. So let's see if they can make a couple of plays there uh, defensively, get the turnover chainsaw going. But again, I've had to stick with it. We've been pretty hot. I've only missed like once to honor the beeves and to will us to a bowl berth. I will have to pick against them because it's only right and it's my duty and it's my cross to bear. I will say Washington State 52, Oregon State 49. Boo. Hey, Andy, I appreciate you taking that, and it is your cross to bear, and I just 
I'm fully indebted to you, like Togi is indebted to me. Okay. Um. Anyways, <laughs> I'm looking at this game, and if and brought, I think Broad uh, didn't mean this, but he he said Jefferson and Artie going for 200. I took that as 200 yards each. He said we'd have a chance, so I think we would win <laughs> if they went for 200 yards each. But um, I, I think he's right on because we, you Wazoo's defense. Their rush defense, horrible. I mean, their defense is going to be worse than Arizona State's, and you saw what uh, we could do to Arizona State's in that first half. So it's going to be about two halves together. I do think uh, on that turnover department, Wazoo is pro. I mean, Gordon's a gunslinger. He's He takes a lot of chances, and what cannot happen for, for the Beavs is the classic, oh, he's going to throw it right to us, and we're going to drop it. Uh, the classic, oh, there's 10 guys around a fumble, and somehow the one Wazoo player comes in from, you know, the midfield and get, and picks up the fumble. We need to capitalize on those turnover opportunities in this game. We cannot – we can't afford – with the high-powered offense Wazoo has, we cannot afford to – we haven't shown in the past that we can really slow them down that much consistently – um, and so we cannot afford, especially with our secondary, and it'll be interesting to watch if Isaiah Dunn pops up on the injury report because that's going to be a big – that's going to be big um, if he can play or not. But we cannot afford to have this uh, lapse in capitalizing on turnovers. They did a great job capitalizing um, against Arizona State and especially just timely that fumble that was forced on the goal line and we recovered. I mean, what better timing for that? So I'm looking for it to be a shootout, like like we've kind of mentioned. But again, the defense is going to adjust. It might not be until the second half. So I don't want fans to to lose it on Timmy T in the first half if, you know, the halftime score is 28-28 or 35-28 Wazoo or something like that. The defense will adjust, look for them to adjust, and ultimately win this game. It's going to be on the road. The offense is going to do their part, but the defense is going to have some key plays. I'm looking for them to almost put themselves on the map a little bit more. I think there's only a select fans that are seeing the improvement and seeing what we are seeing. But I think they take the big step and even get some sacks. Wazoo has had some top-tier offensive linemen. I think they've had a few – first and first day draft picks um, first round and first day draft picks um, in the past. I think their center. And I want to say their left tackle has been prime positions for them. They don't have that this year. Um, we've seen them just have these lapses in games as, as Michael Leach calls it, they soft and a bunch of players that think they've done stuff and they haven't. So looking for that, Max Borgie is a great running back though. I will say, he can back up the talk on the field. He catches it, he runs it, and he's and he's slippery, and he's also finishes runs. He's a lot like Pierce, honestly. He's um, Danny. He's Danny regard. Woodhead reincarnate. But he's a little bit bigger. He's 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 kind of like Artie in that. So it's going to be tough to contain him because I'm having you know symptoms of watching like Avery Roberts contain him on a real route or something, and I don't like that matchup because of the speed factor. So. It'll be interesting to see who we put on him. We might. I could see them putting Hamilcar on him. And so Hamilcar would be able to show that he can cover guys out in the flat. Prediction? 
56 52 beeves. Wow. Ooh, yeah, let's go bowling, baby. I like it. And see, see at the Civil War, Mario's a fraud. <laughs> I like that. So he's got the beeves in a wild shootout. Beautiful. It's going to be a big game. We'll see how it goes. And I would like to say, as like a couple weeks ago, I pointed out, you know, obviously my predictions say otherwise, but that's because that's what I owe this, my school and my alma mater. I'm doing my part, pulling my weight. Mm. But I did mm. say we would beat ASU and Washington State. So let's see if we can bring that one home. So those are the uh, predictions. Uh, you guys, obviously, it's on the road. So I'm sure we'll all be watching in the comfort of our homes. Um, got anything? Any Anyone with any special plans? Nothing special here. I'll probably just be in my apartment watching it, uh, enjoying that, celebrating the victory. So if you're in Corvallis, uh, let me know. We can watch together. Go get some... Uh, Oh, I was going to say waffle fries at flat tail, but rest in peace. I wouldn't get a black yeah. and tan still. Especially if you're an eligible bachelorette. <laughs> wait, wait. What did you just say? Rest in peace to waffle fries? Yes. What, what does that mean? They don't have They're, them. They are what? no longer at flat tail. They have delicious beer battered fries. Don't get me wrong. They aren't the waffle fries, though. Yeah. Still have Sriracha Ranch. Still have the black and tan, but it's not the same. It really isn't. People, if you're listening, please, please bring the waffle fries back. You can have both fries. God help us. FYI, cash out your stock options. The market is crashing right now. (laughs) Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, Connor, what do you got? Well, I'm not going to be in the box uh, with a man named Phil uh, this week. They don't have those at Martin Stadium. Yes, but I will be in the comfort of my own home. Uh, and I, I, I got to bring out a ritual. I don't know what that ritual is going to be. I'll, I'll update on our on our Twitter account uh, when I know. Wonderful. Love it. Um, and real quick, I wanted to bring up because we, we are – just understand, we are very close. Yes, we have to play this game. Yes, we're excited. We want to be eligible. But this the switch – is this close? You can't see my fingers because this is a podcast, but it's this close to flipping right now into full-fledged Civil War week, okay? So it's very hard to not even talk about it right now a week in advance, but we're doing our best. Speaking of that, though, real quick, it sounds like Khan brought Kinnaman from Kinfit, if you remember that sponsor. And has anyone heard from Simmons or reached out to Simmons? Will he be making the voyage? I have not reached out to him, have not heard from him. Okay, well, now he's going to hear this, so I guess there's that. Glad I live down here. You're glad you live in in Arizona during Civil War week? What's your problem? No, so I don't have to uh, deal with the fallout that just happened, no. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I think I'm going to move back to next week. That being said, so possibly Simmons, I think he, you know, he, he likes Hudson there and he likes Taylor's, so he, he might, and it's on his birthday, so he might uh, make an appearance. We'll have to see what he says. Um, that's really all we got. Let's go, uh, let's go become bull eligible, get a win against Wazoo. Uh, before we head out, I'd like to remind everyone that today's episode was brought to you by Corval Ass Fog. What's that smell? 
Is it a condemned dairy farm? Is it a sweaty gym sock? Perhaps a rotting whale carcass stuffed with moldy seaweed. It's the Corvallis Fog. Made with 100% natural ingredients, this is certain to be the angriest fog you ever inhale. Stroll the outer edge of campus and try it today. Corvallis Fog, knocking out nostrils since 1857. Boom. Done. You guys got any final words? Might not be Civil War week, but FTBD. Mario's a fraud. Yes, yes, he is. Go, Beavs. Let's go bowling. Mario's a fraud.